Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to read chapters 55 and 56. Now in the last episode, we read chapters 53 and 54, and we learned more about Bunker 9 and how it was one of the most pivotal weapons in a famous war known as the Civil War. The Civil War, as we know of it, was just between mortals. However, Chiron points out how it was more of a war with demigods and mortals instead, and was one of the most intense wars known, possibly more intense than the Titan Wars. Leading from this is where we find out about the drawing Leo received from Aeolus back then when Leo and the others were trying to escape from Aeolus, where we now find out it was actually a blueprint for a ship. Leo had designed a ship with Festus' head as the masthead, which also brings up the question of whether Leo can possibly predict the future. Minor coincidence or something deeper than we know? We also find out that Leo is promoted to cabin leader and how exactly they will build this ship and sail to the core of, Olympian go- of the Olympian gods, Greece. We'll have to find out more about this as we continue to read chapters 55 and 56. Chapter 55. Jason. Jason waited alone in cabin one. Annabeth and Rachel were due any minute for the head counselor's meeting, and Jason needed time to think. His dreams the night before had been worse than he'd wanted to share, even with Piper. His memory was still foggy, but bits and pieces were coming back. The night Lupa had tested him at the wolf house to decide if he would be a pup or food. Then the long trip south to... he couldn't remember. But he had flashes of his old life too, the day he'd gotten his tattoo. The day he'd been raised on a shield and proclaimed a praetor. His friends' faces, Dakota, Gwendolyn, Hazel, Bobby, and Raina. Definitely, there'd been been a girl named Raina. He wasn't sure what she meant to him, but the memory made him question what he felt about Piper. And wonder if he was doing something wrong. The problem was, he liked Piper a lot. Jason moved his stuff to the corner alcove, where his sister had once slept. He put Talia's photograph back on the wall so he didn't feel alone. He stared up at the frowning statue of Zeus, mighty and proud. But the statue didn't scare him anymore. It just made him feel sad. I know you can hear me, Jason said to the statue. The statue said nothing. Its painted eyes seemed to stare at him. I I wish I could talk to you and talk with you in person, Jason continued. But I understand you can't do that. The Roman gods don't like to interact with mortals so much, and... Well, you're the king. You've got to set an example. More silence. Jason had hoped for something. A bigger-than-usual rumble of thunder, a bright smile, a smile, a light, a bright light, a smile. No, never mind. A smile would have been creepy. I remember some things, he said. The more he talked, the less self-conscious he felt. I remember that it's hard being a son of Jupiter. Everyone is always looking at me to be a leader, but... I always feel alone. I guess you feel the same way up on Olympus. The other gods challenge your decisions. Sometimes you've got to make hard choices and the others criticize you. And you can't come to my aid like other gods might. You've got to keep me at a distance so it doesn't look like you're playing favorites. I guess I just wanted to say... Jason took a deep breath. (sighs) I understand all that. It's okay. I'm going to try to do my best. I'll try to make you proud. But I could really use some guidance. Dad, if there's anything you can do, help me so I can help my friends. I'm afraid I'll get them killed. I don't know how to protect them. The back of his neck tingled. He realized someone was standing behind him. 
He turned and found a woman in a black hooded robe, with a goatskin cloak over her shoulders and a sheathed Roman sword, a gladius, in her hands. Hera, he said. She pushed back her hood. To you, I have always been Juno, and your father has already sent you guidance, Jason. He sent you Piper and Leo. They're not just your responsibility, they are also your friends. Listen to them, and you will do well. Did Jupiter send you here to tell me that? No one sends me anywhere, hero. She said, I am not a messenger. But you got me into this. Why did you send me to this camp? I think you know, Juno said. An exchange of leaders was necessary. It was the only way to bridge the gap. I didn't agree to it. No, but Zeus gave your life to me, and I'm helping you fulfill your destiny. Jason tried to control his anger. He looked down at his orange camp shirt and the tattoos on his arm, and he knew these things should not go together. He had become a contradiction, a mixture as dangerous as anything Medea could cook up. Uh, a mixture as dangerous as anything Medea could cook up. You're not giving me all my memories, he said, even though you promised. Most will return in time, Juno said, but you must find your own way back. You need these next few months with your new friends, your new home. You're gaining their trust. By the time you sail in your ship, you'll be a leader at this camp, and you will be ready to be a peacemaker between two great powers. What if you're not telling the truth? He asked. What if you're doing this to cause another civil war? Juno's expression was impossible to read. Amusement? Disdain? Affection? Possibly all three. As much as she appeared human, Jason knew she was not. He could still see that blinding light, the true form of the goddess that seared itself into his brain. She was Juno and Hera. She existed in many places at once. Her reasons for doing something were never simple. I am the goddess of family. She said, my family has been divided for too long. They divided us so we don't kill each other. Jason said, that seems like a pretty good reason. The prophecy demands that we change. The giants will rise. Each can only be killed by a god and demigod working together. Those demigods must be the seven greatest of the age. As it stands, they are divided between two places. If we remain divided, we cannot win. Gaia is counting on this. You must unite the heroes of Olympus and sail together to meet the giants on the ancient battlegrounds of Greece. Only then will the gods be convinced to join you. It will be the most dangerous quest, the most important voyage ever, attempted by the children of the gods. Jason looked up again at the glowering statue of his father. It's not fair, Jason said. I could ruin everything. You could, Juno agreed, but gods need heroes. We always have. Even you? I thought you hated heroes. The goddess gave him a dry smile. I have that reputation, but if you want the truth, Jason, I often envy other gods and their mortal children. You demigods can span both worlds. I think this helps your godly parents, even Jupiter curse him, to understand the mortal world better than I. Juno sighed so unhappily that despite his anger, Jason almost felt sorry for her. I am the goddess of marriage, she said. It is not in my nature to be faithless. I only have two godly children. Ares and Hephaestus, both of whom are disappointments. I have no mortal heroes to do my bidding, which is why I'm often so bitter toward demigods. Her Her Hercules, Aeneas, all of them. But it is also why I favored the first Jason, a pure mortal. 
who had no godly parent to guide him. And why I'm glad Zeus gave you to me. You will be my champion, great Jason. You will be the greatest of heroes and bring unity to the demigods, and thus to Olympus. Her words settled over him as heavy as sandbags. Two days ago, he'd been terrified by the idea of leading demigods into a great prophecy, sailing off to battle the giants and save the world. He was still terrified, but something had changed. He no longer felt alone. He had friends now and a home to fight for. He even had a patron goddess looking out for him, which had to count for something, even if she seemed a little untrustworthy. Jason had to stand up and accept his destiny, just as he'd done when he faced Porphyrian with his bare hands. Sure, it seemed impossible. He might die, but his friends were counting on him. And if I fail? He asked. Great victory requires great risk, she admitted. Fail, and there will be bloodshed like we've never seen. Demigods will destroy one another. The giants will overrun Olympus. Gaia will wake, and the earth will shake off everything we have built over five millennia. It will be the end of us all. Great. Just great. Someone pounded on the cabin doors. Juno pulled her hood back over her face. Then she handed Jason the sheathed gladius. Take this for the weapon you lost. We will speak again. Like it or not, Jason, I am your sponsor, and your link to Olympus. We need each other. The goddess vanished as the doors creaked open, and Piper walked in. Animus and Rachel are here, she said. Chiron has summoned the council. And that's the end of chapter 50. That was definitely quite an interesting chapter, seeing how um, we now have realized that Jason is kind of, he kind of belongs to Hera now. It's kind of like... Hera also is dependent on him, but it's the fact that Jason is all uh, is more dependent on it. It's kind of like a 70-30 kind of dependency with Jason being the 70 and Hera being the 30. Um, hopefully, maybe Hera is able to, you know, maybe give some of his control back, maybe even give all of the memories back to Jason. Because if Jason, but, uh, you know, slowly at a time, because if Jason receives it all at once, he's probably going to receive some kind of shock. But I think when it comes to giving back the memories, I think Jason really does want all those memories back because he does want to know where he was during that time. Because, um... It was a valid point brought up from one of the previous chapters as to if Jason was, if Jason is one of the kids of the big three, then he has the big, the largest threat than compared to any other of the gods who uh, have children. So it's the mystery of where was he throughout this entire time when he was little as since when he disappeared to now. And where was that missing time for him? Where was he during that? Because, again, there's no way he could have survived if he wasn't in some type of camp protecting him from that. So hopefully maybe after, maybe in the next few chapters or possibly in the next book, we start getting answers about all of this and hopefully start finding where Percy is, where we find the locations of Percy. Because it is quite odd, I I think, of Jason suddenly appearing when Percy disappears. So it is, we have, there's a lot of uh, theories uh, spewing about this. We'll have to, you know, confirm it by continuing to read. So after this break, we're going to read chapter 51, again, from Jason's perspective. So, un- so see you then. And we're back from the ads. And now we're going to read chapter 56, Jason. 
The council was nothing like Jason imagined. For one thing, it was in the big house rec room around a ping pong table, and one of the satyrs was serving nachos and sodas. Somebody had brought Seymour the leopard head in from the living room and hung him on the wall. Every once in a while, a counselor would toss him a snossage. Jason looked around the room and tried to remember everyone's name. Thankfully, Leo and Piper were sitting next to him. It was their first meeting as senior counselors. Clarice, leader of the Ares cabin, had her boots on the table, but nobody seemed to care. Clovis from Hypno's cabin was snoring in the corner, while Butch from Iris cabin was seeing how many pencils he could fit in Clovis's nostrils. Travis Stoll from Hermes was holding a lighter under a ping pong ball to see if it would burn, and Will Solis from Apollo was absently wrapping and unwrapping an ace bandage around his wrist. The counselor from uh, Hecate cabin, Louis Ellen, something or other, was playing Got Your Nose with Miranda Gardner from Demeter. Except that Lou Ellen really had uh, magically disconnected Miranda's nose, and Miranda was trying to get it back. Jason had hoped Talia would show. She'd promised after all, but she was nowhere to be seen. Chiron had told him not to worry about it. Talia often got sidetracked fighting monsters or running quests for Artemis, and she probably would arrive soon, but still. Jason worried. Rachel Dare, the oracle, sat next to Chiron at the head of the table. She was wearing her Clarion Academy school uniform dress, which seemed a bit odd, but she smiled at Jason. Annabeth didn't look so relaxed. She wore armor over her camp clothes, with her knife at her side and her blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail. As soon as Jason walked in, she fixed him with an expectant look, as if she were trying to extract information out of him by sheer willpower. Let's come to order, Chiron said. Lou Ellen, please give Miranda her nose back. Travis, if you'd kindly ex- extinguish the flaming ping, ball, ping pong ball. And Butch, I think 20 pencils is really too many for any human nostril. Thank you. Now, as you can see, Jason, Piper, and Leo have returned successfully. More or less. Some of you had heard parts of their story, but I will let them fill you in. Everyone looked at Jason. He cleared his throat and began the story. Piper and Leo chimed in from time to time, filling in the details he forgot. It only took a few minutes, but it seemed like longer with everyone watching him. The silence was heavy, and for so many ADHD demigods to sit still listening for that long, Jason knew the story must have sounded pretty wild. He handed with the Hera's visit right before the meeting. So Hera was here, Annabeth said, talking to you. Jason nodded. Look, I'm not saying I trust her. That's smart, Annabeth said. But she isn't making this up about another group of demigods. That's where I came from. Romans. Clarice tossed Seymour a snossage. You expect us to believe there's another camp with demigods. But they follow the Roman forms of the gods. And we've never even heard of them. Piper sat forward. The gods have kept the two groups apart. Because every time they see each other, they try to kill each other. I can respect that, Clarice said. Still... Why haven't we ever run across each other on quests? Oh, yes, Chiron said sadly. You have many times. It's always a tragedy and always the gods do their best to wipe clean the memories of those involved. The rivalry goes all the way back to the Trojan War, Clarice. The Greeks invaded Troy and burned it to the ground. The Trojan hero Aeneas escaped and eventually made his way to Italy, where he founded the race that would someday become Rome. The Romans grew more and more powerful, worshipping the same gods but under different names and with slightly different personalities. More warlike, Jason said. More united, more about expansion, conquest, and discipline. Yuck, Travis put in. 
Several of the others looked equally uncomfortable, though Clarice shrugged like it sounded okay to her. Anna patrolled her knife on the table. And the Romans hated the Greeks. They took revenge when they conquered the Greek Isles and made them part of the Roman Empire. Well, not exactly hated them, Jason said. The Romans admired Greek culture and were a little jealous. In return, the Greeks thought the Romans were barbarians, but they respected their military power. So during Roman times, demigods started to divide, either Greek or Roman. And it's been that way ever since, Annabeth guessed. But this is crazy, Chiron. Where were the Romans during the Titan War? Didn't they want to help? Chiron tugged at his beard. They did help, Annabeth. While you and Percy were leading the battle to save Manhattan, who do you think conquered Mount Arthrius, the Titan's base in California? Hold on, Travis said. You said Mount Arthrius just crumbled when we beat Kronos. <clears throat> no. Jason said. He remembered flashes of the battle, a giant in starry armor and a hell mounted with ram's horns. He remembered his army of demigods scaling Mount Tam, fighting through hordes of snake monsters. It didn't just fall. We destroyed their palace. I defeated the Tyne Creos myself. Annabeth's eyes were as stormy as a ventus. Jason could almost see her thoughts moving, putting the pieces together. The Bay Area... We demigods were told to stay away from it because Month Arthurius was there. But that wasn't the only reason, was it? The Roman camp. It's gotta be somewhere near San Francisco. I bet it was put there to keep watch on the Titans' ter- territory. Where is it? Chiron shifted in his wheelchair. I cannot say. Honestly, even I have never been trusted with that information. My counterpart, Lupa, is not exactly the sharing type. Jason's memory, too, has been burned away. The camp's heavily veiled with magic, Jason said, and heavily guarded. We could search for years and never find it. Rachel Dare laced her fingers. Of all the people in in the room, only she didn't seem nervous about the conversation. But you'll try, won't you? You'll build Leo's boat, the Argo Argo Second, and before you make it to Greece, you'll sail for the Roman camp. You'll need their help to confront the giants. Bad plan. Clarice warned. If those Romans see a warship coming, they'll assume we're attacking. You're probably right, Jason agreed. But we have to try. I was sent here to learn about Camp Half-Blood, to try and convince you the two camps don't have to be enemies. A peace offering. Hmm, Rachel said. Because Hera is convinced we need both camps to win the war with the Giants, seven years of Olympus, some Greek, some Roman. Annabeth nodded. Your great prophecy. What's the last line? And foes bear arms to the doors of death. Gaia has opened the doors of death, Annabeth said. She's letting out the worst villains of the underworld to fight us. Medea, Midas, there'll be more, I'm sure. Maybe the line means that the Roman and Greek demigods will unite and find the doors and close them. Or it could mean they fight each other at the doors of death, Clarice pointed out. It doesn't say we'll cooperate. There was silence as the campers let that happy thought sink in. I'm going, Annabeth said. Jason, when you get this ship built, let me go with you. I was hoping you'd offer, Jason said. You of all people, we'll need you. Wait, Leo frowned. I mean, that's cool with me and all, but why Annabeth of all people? Annabeth and Jason studied one another, and Jason knew she had put it together. She saw the dangerous truth. 
Harris said my coming here was an exchange of leaders, Jason said. A way for the camp t- two camps to learn of each other's existence. Yeah, Leo said. So? An exchange goes two ways, Jason said. When I got here, my memory was wiped. I didn't know who I was or where I belonged. Fortunately, you guys took me in and I found a new home. I know you're not my enemy. The Roman camp? They're not so friendly. You prove your worth quickly or you don't survive. They may not be so nice to him. And if they learn where he comes from, he's going to be in serious trouble. Him? Leo said. Who are you talking about? My boyfriend, Ambit said grimly. He disappeared around the same time Jason appeared. If Jason came to Camp Half-Blood... Exactly, Jason agreed. Percy Jackson is at the other camp, and he probably doesn't even remember who he is. And that's the end of chapter 56, and also the end of The Lost Hero. So now we have found out that Percy and Jason had switched places and are in the opposite camp. So maybe this is a way of when Percy also starts slowly regaining his memories, or if he hasn't already, they both realize that they're there to be able to create peace between the two camps so that they're able to work together to fight against Gaia. Hopefully, Percy is able to convince them of this because, you know, he was able to successfully lead the uh, Camp Half-Blood to victory in fighting at least one half of the war with against Kronos and the other half of the Roman camp fighting on Mount Othrius. Apologize if my pronunciations are not right. Um, uh, so... Yeah, that was a very, very interesting end to the book. And we'll start reading the next book um, starting next week. And I can't wait to see how this is going to end up. How we'll find, uh, how will how will Camp Half-Blood be able to talk to the Roman camp? What is possibly the name of this Roman camp? And who is the head of this Roman camp? If we have Chiron and uh, of in, technically as the in uh, temporary head of Camp Half-Blood, then who's running the means there? So we have all these questions pending with this ending, and I think this is a very, very amazing ending to the first book of our second series. Um, next next week, I'll, we'll, so we start a new season, and we start reading a new book to finally see what this entire mystery of the lost hero and finding Percy Jackson and seeing what we need to do in order to finally unite the two camps against Gaia. So until next week, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, episode as much as I do. And if you'd like to support me, the pa- my Patreon is located in my description. Um, thank you guys for all that you do. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.